business inspiration for architects, engineers, and contractors. Hello and welcome to another episode of the AEC Business Podcast. This is Arni Heiskanen, and my guest today is Kerry Lee Sinclair, General Manager at Aconex. Aconex provides a leading cloud collaboration platform for the global construction industry. We are going to talk about some very interesting product launches. Welcome, Kerry, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. I look forward to our discussion. Yeah, I, I guess you have had a pretty uh, busy day. <laughs> yes, as, um, I guess we're pretty excited about uh, the products that we're bringing to the market. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been good discussing it with a few different people and getting their perspective. All right. Um, I guess that many of our listeners already know uh, Aconex, but would you just tell us a little bit about the company? I, I know that you have been in business for over 13 years and uh, you definitely know BIM. <laughs> yes, um, we've got a, a quite an interesting background. So we started in Australia in 2000, and um, our two co-founders, who are both still with the business, started um, the business around. Um, one was a McKin- McKinsey consultant who was seeing the uh, the dawn of the internet, and one was working for a, a large general contractor in Australia, and was spending a lot of his time rolling up documents and um, couriering them off um, on a Saturday morning rather than you know playing squash with his friends. So um, they. They started to look at you know how documents and and data and decisions were were being done on construction projects and I guess a lot of the inefficiencies. So we started very um, very um, simply with document control um, and and being able to sort of have one source of the truth, which was you know the do- drawing, the latest drawing is the only thing everyone should be working on, off of, and that's the only do- you know don't go work off an old revision because there's only one. Um, and so we started from day one as a cloud-based solution, only one document, neutral platform, so that everybody on the project comes with the same data rights, the same inf- you know, the same kind of control of their own information, but they're bringing it to a way that allows a bit of trust to be built, visibility, transparency, and, and again, less mistakes are made. And what very quickly happened is our customers took us into Asia and into Europe and into America, and then all these new technologies like BIM, um, mobility, uh, security, all these other things, these trends that are coming in now um, have, I guess, come to us through new customers and old customers picking on larger projects. All right. Uh, you say on your website that you your platform is used to manage over 1.5 million BIM models. That's uh, really impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's actually been, it's really interesting. You know, we, we started seeing the first real BIM usage sort of in, um, on our system sort of about 2010. We were sort of getting 50,000. Um, and then by uh, 2013, so last year, we were at sort of 900,000. And um, yeah, we're, we're very, just about to hit 1.8 million at the moment. So um, it's really been, um, you know, it's been really huge uh, amount of growth, I guess, in, in that um, as a design tool, particularly. All right. So uh, today, actually today, you released a new product called Aconex Connected BIM. Uh, would you start off by explaining what's it all about and and what were the main motivations for developing this new product? Sure. 
Um, I guess, you know, most people who hopefully are listening that have any sort of con- conception of BIM understand that it there's a promise, uh, I guess, of, of BIM. And the promise of BIM is a more efficient asset life cycle. So, you know, it's got better design coordination because you can actually visualize what you're building before you build it. Um, it allows you to streamline processes and decisions. And then you obviously, as the asset owner, you get this complete set of, you know, DNA, so to speak, um, that is handed to you um, when you when you get your um, your your handover at the uh, at the end of the construction process, and then that allows you to continue the the journey of this thing that you've created into operations. Unfortunately, I guess what we've found is is many of the the solutions are very much uh, grounded in the tools, the authoring tools, um, and it's left the project team disconnected from being able to collaborate around the design or around the issues that are happening on site. So, you know, even in, in projects today, you can go on site and see people, you know, gathered around a 2D drawing that's been, you know, put out on a drawing plotter, rolled out on a table and everyone's standing there going, oh, now I understand what the problem is. We feel that until you can actually connect the, bon- the BIM model to all of those project participants, which is what we do today, without BIM, um, then you're really going to, you know, you're going to struggle to really get the, the promise of BIM. All right. So, um, uh, what, if in practical terms, what, what does Aconex Connected BIM do? So, basically, what it, it does is it, um, it removes the layer of the authoring tool specifically. So it, um, so you can, you can, um, the design teams and the architects can use any of the um, great BIM modeling tools that exist. Um, but when they come to the Aconex platform, they come uh, in an open standard, um, which is in the industry as an IFC standard. Hmm. And they put that, that into Aconex. And then all of the participants of the projects are now able to see those IFC models and are able to navigate or, um, and move around it without having to have the, that particular software installed, which is currently, uh, you know, one of the challenges is, is that you need to have, you can view a lot of BIM models, but what we want to be able to do is to interact. So say you, you um, grab the MEP component of the, um, the IFC and you layer the structural stuff and you start to see that there um, is an issue that the chiller unit is in the wrong place, um, with our connected BIM, um, you could be the head contractor, you could be the asset owner, you, you click on the um, chiller unit um, and you actually can see all of the, obviously the data that's there around the object and comments and stuff that have been made, but you can also start to tag critical um, decision information, for example, um, R- an RFI. And so what happens is that you send a request for information to the other person about the chiller unit, and it actually, instead of says, I have an issue about this thing in the BIM model, it actually is in the BIM model, if that makes sense. So the person gets a, a hyperlink on the other end, and when they click on it, they actually click straight into the BIM model. And this is all delivered on a browser um, on the Aconex uh, platform. So anyone anywhere in the world that's invited to this particular project can actually then start interacting in it. So it means you stop shipping the, mo- the BIM files across the world on big data tubes. It actually, very much like I started the discussion about Aconex, mm. is one single version of the truth, which in this case is this one BIM model, which everyone on the project team is pulling apart, commenting on, adding documents, adding mail, um, being able to find conflicts, 
um, and being able to sort of collaborate on it in real time. All right. So um, the the users of, of of this service don't necessarily have to be experts on Beam. Correct, and that's that's one of the challenges. You know, uh, a lot of the things that that I see um, in in when I'm out speaking on site with clients is even you know if people like the facility managers and they often ask in a handover manual to to get a DWG and a PDF of the drawing because they don't even have AutoCAD software. Um, so a lot of the and they don't know how to use the design tools to make changes. And I think that's been one of the what we kind of call the you know the disconnected project versus a connected project. A connected project should not, technology should be an enabler, not a um, barrier. And I think, you know, unfortunately, software from where it started has has kind of, you know, closed software, has um, kind of let people out. It's, it's user-based, it's priced at a way that sort of penalizes collaboration. Um, our model is very much take software out of it, make it, a, make it an open platform, allow everyone to come in who obviously is authorized to come in. It's one of our security models, obviously. But, you know, if you're inviting someone to the project, they should be bringing, a consulting engineer should be bringing their experience, not their graduate drafts person who's going to help them try to navigate the model. All right. Um, in one of my earlier podcast episodes, I interviewed um, uh, Tommy Hentinen, who is um, a BIM coordinator. Uh, do you think that this is uh, in in, the, in this model. Do you actually need anybody, uh, especially coordinating uh, the beam process, or or is it is it possible for a coordinator to use this tool? Ah, definitely. So we sort of see there's there's two levels, and it's kind of um, similar. Again, if we if we take away the word beam and, and go into back into a two D paper kind of world, or a doc, it's kind of the beam coordinators coordination is almost like the document controller. So there's still a level of um, very sophisticated kind of librarian um, version control skill that's required to keep all of the pieces together. Because ultimately, these things are critical to, um, you know, if there's ever dispute, if there's ever any legal actions or some, some you know, major issues on site, to be able to come back to what was agreed. You know, one of the challenges I think that we've seen is that if you take the coordination side away from the design side and away from the project side, it very quickly gets out of control because humans generally are not very good at filing stuff. So we're good at taking stuff when we find it but not putting it back. And if we don't have a process that's around, I've made a change to this and now it actually has to go back into an original file and then that file is updated so everyone sees the most recent version of it then you're very quickly going to have, you know, I guess what we call lonely BIM, which is this, this thing that is, is disconnected from the project. So BIM in itself, we don't feel enables this. It's, you know, it's people, it's processes, and it's technology that brings it all together to, to make this work. Um, and if you don't have the processes and you, just, and you leave the people out and know how people are going to behave on a project, then you're just going to have, a, you know, again, a, this BIM model sitting there that's not going to reflect what's really happening. And what will happen is an asset owner will, like they may get today, um, a solution that uh, they, they get a seri series of handover documents that aren't actually what was constructed or as built. Um, that could be the same issue with a BIM model. And we see many customers currently who are, t who are start struggling to hand over a combination of 3D, 2D, 
um, disparate BIM models. The mechanical services guy did all of his design in BIM, but the electrical guy handed 2D drawings. You know, it's it's the reality of the world is that it's not a perfect science experiment. <laughs> and <laughs> when projects come together, you know, it's not like it's a ta- it's a lab and there's test tubes and construction just happens and we build things. Unfortunately, there's you know there are a lot of ingrained things about how we do stuff that you have to kind of factor in and, and put processes around to ensure it happens. So we I definitely see the BIM coordination uh, role is important. I guess what we're hoping to do is, is to change the level of, um, you know, I, I was uh, recently in Qatar at some of the big projects that they have there and it's staggering how large the BIM coordination teams are on large projects because they're you know, the the coordination between the BIM coordination <laughs> team is, is something to watch. So Well, that's really interesting. Uh, well, um, you're, you launched this product actually today, S- but is it all, when, when will it be available for the customers? Yep, so we've actually, um, we've got customers that are using it today right. uh, and as part of the release that will be coming out there's actually a case study with one of our customers who's been using it um, so it will be um, it's available will be available I guess as of as of today or um, tomorrow I guess depending where you are in the world when you get this um, so I hear this so um, it is available um, and it is something that we are uh, putting out um, as part of our uh, I guess um, value of using our solution so it's not an extra product that is going to come at an extra fee it's going to be something that is uh, we believe is key to supporting our customers through the future of their projects so right so uh, actually you also launched another a product that was uh, co- that is called dynamic manuals um, and 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 you say that it's a, a mobile product. Uh, can you tell a, a little bit about what Dynamic Manuals is? Sure. So about two years ago, we launched our first um, foray into handover products for Aconex, and that was a product called Smart Manuals. And I guess because we'd started our DNA in construction, we'd really noticed um, the problem that the construction teams were having at the end of the project. So not the design and the construction and commissioning and all of that that processes. It was really the um, the, the the ability to, I guess, probably get paid um, at the end of the project because they would have to deliver contractually uh, a set of documentation to the owner um, that would allow the owner to operate it more efficiently. But I guess prove that they had met the specifications and the contractual requirements. And the reason. Um, for that, I guess, um, complexity is often what was captured in the project is not what was required in operations and maintenance. So, for example, there could have been a particular issue on site that might have taken a year to resolve, and there was lots of transmittals and um, requests for information and and information. That, that That doesn't help the guy who's got to turn the key and and open the door on the first day. So what we really found was that we needed to assemble, review, and help our customers assemble and review particular O&M information and then hand it to an asset owner so that they could use it again with no no software, not requiring to have AutoCAD or anything special running on their their machines. And they didn't need to be trained to use it because, you know, the challenge with, um, you know, if you hand somebody a binder, they can start working out how to get through it if you give someone a DVD with a thousand Mm. uh, thousand, um, files on it that aren't structured, it's very difficult for people to navigate. 
So we launched that two years ago, or actually just uh, over a year, uh, just under two years ago. And that um, got a very, very strong uptake and that became a very um, kind of one of our key products. And, and then, of course, we started handing these things over and the 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 asset owners were were loving it. A lot of the asset owners and and paying customers of, of who are going to be owning and operating the assets were actually starting to specify that this solution was used um, as part of you know delivery of the project. And then they started asking us to help them continue to keep the documents and the information current because one of the big issues that they have, of course, is um, they are running facility engineers and things are being swapped in and swapped out and changed and they're doing, um, you know, preventative maintenance and um, and they had no way of kind of capturing all this information. So Dynamic Manuals was really, again, born out of um, customer demand for uh, a way to keep the construction, you know, the construction process is ended, but all of the, the things that are good about collaboration and about um, uh, our model, I guess, keeping that current so that they could keep it updated, keep it focused, um, and keep it, um, you know, keep it on track um, so that uh, a lot of the information wasn't lost. I mean, again, back to the example I used before, um, people aren't good at putting things back. So one of the things that we found in the process was people would take something. So they'd have a problem with an asset. They'd go down to the, you know, the old basement. They'd find it in the manual. They'd pull it out. They'd take it back up to the asset. And then somebody would ring and say, do you want a coffee? And they go, yeah, sure. And they would put it, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. and then they would go away. And then, you know, two days later, somebody else would go to find that information and they couldn't find it anywhere because it was no longer filed where it was. It wasn't where the asset was. And, you know, really what we tried to do is put it all in one place, make it mo- mobile, portable, make it updatable and make it useful. And that's really what it is. It it doesn't try to be an asset management system. It doesn't try to be a facility mas- management system. It just really tries to be a useful set of O&M information that a facility engineer can take with them um, with their list of tasks to do um, and and basically run through their tasks with that. And I guess the further benefit is if they've used Aconex um, from the beginning um, and through the design and everything, then obviously everything will then end up in the manual that they did, that they require rather than using another you know another system or having disparate systems all right that sounds great um well we've been talking about beam and and uh, digital documents and so on but do you have any ideas when will we actually see a paperless construction site oh <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's really interesting. I was on site um, at a hospital a couple of weeks ago, and they still do their. They use uh, all these amazing tools. They've got these big tablets, and they still do their major drawing reviews. They still all get together in a room um, with this big boardroom table and lay them all out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other the other side of it is, and and we're through it. The other side of it, I think, is the. Um, Particularly, uh, it's starting to get a little bit better in countries like Australia and the UK where you've got um, digital and electrical signatures. But in China, for example, where we have quite a large presence, um, they, they still use the paper chop for all of the government. So they actually physically cut the paper um, when they chop it. And what that then means is that you have this paper copy that the government has said, yes, you can open your building. Mm. And you have this one piece of paper and then everything else is digital. So what we're finding is there's still a lot of paper because the governments and a lot of the compliance and um, a lot of the, um, the, 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 I guess, r- corporate structure around um, contracts and things like that is requiring 
stamps and signatures, and we haven't quite got there yet. I think once we can break the back on that in governments and and councils and all these things that have to make these you know stamped authoritative decisions um, can go electronic, then I think it'll really help um, drive the the rest of the process. I think everyone's so risk averse that everyone wants to make sure that they've they've got that stamp, you know, and they're actually physically holding it. And a digital stamp, you know, it could be altered. So yeah. uh, that, till that we can get rid of that fear, I think there will still still be a lot of yeah. paper. Um, even if not through the design, I mean, it's amazing how little of it still in, is, is, is really starting to impact design now. But I think until it flows the whole way through, um, it will be some time. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right. This was very interesting. And I'm, I'm sure that um, people want to know more how can our listeners uh, find information on your products and services? Sure. So obviously um, our website is a great spot to start. It's really full of, um, we've got over a hundred case studies of very large projects, very small projects all over the world, as well as the releases for these these two products. Um, and, and anywhere in our through the website, you can click and request a demo. And one of our team um, globally, we've got offices in 43 countries. So we're pretty much going to have somebody pretty close to hopefully most of your listeners um, who's happy to take, you, take a call and, and take you through any more detailed questions or demonstrations if you want um, and also as I said there's quite a few videos there where people actually show you the either the products or um, talk about their experience using the products all right thank you very much Kerry and all the best to your work and, and future thank you thank you very much again for being a part aec-business.com business inspiration for architects engineers and contractors